I'm Grace, and I'm the host of this podcast, She Builds Me Up. She is my neighbor, my friend, my sister, my mentor, and my inspiration. She's the everyday woman that surrounds me all the time. We laugh together, we cry together, and we love together. I value her because of the amazing gifts she shares with me. Come and join my tribe and let's build something amazing together. This is where we uplift one another, we let our guards down, we invest fully in one another, and we become stronger by doing so. Together, we are going to get into the nitty gritty of this weird world of adult friendships. We're gonna combat our challenges and have fun while doing it. Okay, we are still in quarantine, but I am continuing to record my podcast episodes. Fortunately, we have technology, and I have my wonderful friend Aaron on the phone, Aaron Garner. Uh, Aaron, do you want to say hi? Hi, hi. (laughs) Aaron moved to, where are you, Cleveland, Ohio? Well, you don't live in Cleveland, do you? You live in... So we are near Cincinnati, and geography lesson, it's on the border of Kentucky and Ohio, and we live in Kentucky. Kentucky. So I was totally wrong about Cleveland. I meant Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. There's to be fair, you, con- you considered Cleveland, didn't you? Did I make that up? We did. Okay. No, we considered, yeah, we had a lot of places in, in Ohio, and then kind of on the East Coast, and so... Yeah, you very good for remembering yes, Ohio, yes. but Cincinnati's where we ended up. Gotcha. Um, Aaron and I moved to Danville at the same time because our husbands started residency the same year. Um, yep. And we became instant friends just because I feel like you're one of those people where I just, there's something, I told you this when you moved, but I just was like, there's just something special about you and like like, I just feel like I'm I was very drawn to you just and like you're just so laid back and just so easy to get along with and it was just just, a strange weird quality it's just you're just this weirdo you know you're just kind of a bit weird and and I just feel like I should know you better no yeah but I had heard about you from so when we were in med school Christy Cook one of my friends she was like oh I have a friend Grace and I was like, okay, I'll look for a Grace. And so I had heard of you before then. Yes. I knew you were cool. That's right. Through Christy. That's yeah. right. Christy and I lived in St. Louis together. And then you yeah. lived with Christy in Indiana? Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines. Iowa. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you, and then anyway, your husband finished residency last year. And mine mm-hmm. is still in residency, so... Well, your husband's doing well, a second residency. <laughs> yeah, he finished one and said, let's do another one. And I said, serious? Yes. So, yes. yeah. We're here for three years, and then I told him that um, that was it. <laughs> yes, and I don't blame you. So, by the time... So, we'll end both of our residencies at the same time, then. Yeah, we will. So, and I told Aaron last night when I talked to her that we need to move to the same city. So, hopefully, we can make that happen somehow. Yeah. Or at least visit awesome. each other. Um, so today I asked Erin to pick a topic that is important to her. And she wrote me an amazing write-up, as I fully expected she would. And she it was a little bit obsessive. A yeah. little bit obsessive, but it turned out amazing. So I was very happy <laughs> with the results. Um, and so I just wanted to read, um, just to, right off the bat, what your life motto is. And you said, I'm quoting you, and you said, In the things I commit to, I try to be diligent. Doesn't mean perfect or not a procrastinator, but I continually try. I find satisfaction in the effort, not the outcome. Um, yep. So just to start off, why did you choose this topic? Um, well, I think that, one, I'm just wired that way. Like, when I commit maybe my parents taught me this maybe it was something that I I just feel like when I say I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it um and and I think the best things in my life have come from being committed um you know marriage and having a family and I played soccer and all of those things that the best things in my life have come from my commitment and then my diligence to those things. Yeah. And then, um, 
and and you know honestly i can't remember anything great that has happened just like random spur of the moment short-lived kind of a thing yeah like yeah those were cool things that happened but the best stuff has come from diligence and commitment and stuff like that well, and it's interesting that you said that it's hardwired into you. I'm hoping you can give us some tips on, for those of us, that it's not hardwired into. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That's what, Well, that's why we're here, right? Um, but no, I was very inspired, and hopefully everyone else that's listening will be inspired by your list, because I feel like really the key to life is, is what you're saying, and I agree, is committing to things and then being diligent with following through on them. Um, so I absolutely love this topic. The thing for me that has come recently, like in the last, you know, five or six years, has been not stressing about the outcome. Yeah, that's like huge. Not, not worrying if I hit the deadline or not, or if it was 100% perfect, or if I failed absolutely terribly horribly. Like, that has become less of a focus, the outcome. Yeah. And more of, like, I tried it, so I'm good. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to dive in a little deeper on how we, you know, shift our minds to be able to, because so often, definitely myself included, your whole, like, existence depends on some kind of outcome that you're trying to achieve, right? Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. trying to lose this much weight, or I'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. this promotion at work or I'm trying to do you know fill in the blank thing that we're trying to do and I just think it's I definitely myself have realized in the past few years that it's an important lesson to focus more on the effort than on the outcome so if you want to go ahead and tell us an example of this in your life of like when when did you learn this lesson so I think the best example um that has taken the most of my life as has been through soccer. Um, I didn't get into soccer until I was like second grade, which, you know, I was still eight, seven or eight, something like that. So still very young, but it wasn't like, you know, from the day I could start walking. But I started playing soccer in second grade recess and just fell in love with it and had so much fun. And my mom... Um, put me into, you know, the rec leagues and stuff, and I would go play, and and it was funny, because um, I'm natural, I'm just a tall person, and, mm-hmm. but when I was little, I would, like, tower over all of the boys, and yeah. I was faster than all of the boys, and, you know, a good foot taller than them, so it was, it was fun to play, because I was taller and faster and stronger, and and I could kick the ball farther than all of them. And so, anyways, I just kept playing, and I was I loved it. And, you know, it just kind of grew into played it growing up, then played in high school. And then when I got to high school, about my sophomore year, one of my uh, club coaches, he was like, his name was Dennis, and he said, Dennis and Jeff were their names, and they said, if you're interested in playing in college, let us know, and we can teach you the stuff you need to do to make that happen. And when they mentioned, like, oh, you can play in college, it, like, it was really exciting. And I was just like, yeah, I want to play in college. I don't want to stop after high school. I want to keep going. I think that would be really cool. So I talked to the two of them, and they kind of explained the process that you go through. Um, And... Well, when I was little, like I said, I could run faster than all the boys and everything like that. In high school, you know, everybody kind of catches back up. And I was a good player, um, but I wasn't the best. And so I wasn't like, you hear about recruits that the colleges are like, yeah, come play for us. We'll pay pay all this money for your full ride scholarship and your stipend and please get, I wasn't one of those. So I knew that if I was going to actually be able to play in college, I was going to have to really kind of put in the work and do the things that they told me so that I could play. Um, And basically what it amounted to was I wrote a letter, a generic letter saying, hey, I'm interested in playing for your university. Here's some information about me. Write me back. This is my um, 
address and everything, and I sent probably 60 to 70 letters out. So wow. I looked up, went online, looked up Division One schools, because that was the other thing. I really wanted to try and play in a Division One school. Um, Division One or near near home were kind of my two main criteria. Yeah. Um, so I sent out, like I said, 60, 70 letters. I got probably 30 back um, from coaches saying, yeah, we're interested, send us some more information, sent out some more information. Um, and then it, slowly the process just kind of whittles back down. You know, fewer and fewer get back to you and, and everything. And so it got down to about... 10, 10 universities that I was writing to. And this had taken about a year for me to write to them and them to write back and everything. And then I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to these tournaments. My team was going to travel. Um, please come watch me. And so during the spring seasons and the summer, you go to all these tournaments. <laughs> right. Your parents spend so much money sending to you, you to <laughs> them. And then... <laughs> You're just hoping that somebody's interested into you and, right. and thinks, yeah, you would be a good addition to their team. So out of those 10 coaches that said, yeah, we'll come take a look at you, about four said, we're interested in you. Come see our university. See if you like our university mm -hmm. um, and stuff. And so I went and visited those four and then from about those four, three, two or three kind of gave me an offer and said, you know, and they weren't like incredible offers. It was like, you're smart, so your grades can cover your academic scholarship and we'll give you like $50 towards books. Wow. How <laughs> or, nice. or they're like, yeah, you just come play for us and your grades will take care of your scholarship and then maybe you might make some later. I, maybe we'll give you more money later. We don't know. Hmm. So, anyways, it just, it was like a two-year process, and I really, really wanted to play, and so I would write these letters and do the research and talk to them, and, and I ended up choosing Weber State in Ogden, Utah, yeah. and it was a great decision, best decision of my life, so one of the best. So, so were you yeah. ever stressed during those two years that it just wasn't going to work out? Um, yes, because, well, when I first started, it was overwhelming. I was like, there's hundreds of schools. How do I find the one that's going to fit me, mm -hmm. that is interested in me, and that I can afford? Right. Um, because, I, like I said, it wasn't the star player. They weren't going to offer me loads of money to come play. I would have to pay to right. be on their team kind of a thing. So I was overwhelmed at the beginning, and but just you know, getting in there and just starting mm -hmm. helped. And then I got some feedback because I got 30 people responding to me. Yeah. And then after that, it was like, okay, these 10 really are interested. And then after that, I was like, all right, four or five, really, they want me to come see this. So it was just getting started and then taking that one next step, getting the letters back and like, okay, here's the next step. Yeah. And, and my coaches like I said, they helped me figure out the next thing and, and okay, now you need to do this and now. And so right. by the time I got to the end, I was like, wow, like that was a lot of work. I didn't know it was going to cut like yeah. be so much work, so much effort, but it worked out. So, well, and I think it's incredible that it, you can attribute the working it out because you worked it out. Like, it wasn't just that you got lucky. You literally, yeah. you put your head, feet to the pavement and you were like, I'm going to make this happen. And you did it. That's really inspiring. And it it reminds me of my husband, actually, because I feel like I still have a long way to go with learning this lesson. I think I've come a long way since I was mm -hmm. a teenager. But just yeah. listening to your story, and then after meeting my husband and we got married and he, from the get-go, since because I met him after he was already in medical school, Mm -hmm. And he wanted to be a surgeon. Like, that is what he wanted to do, just like you wanted to play soccer. And so mm -hmm. he would take these tests, and he didn't do as well as he needed to do, just for the typical type of person that would get into a surgery residency. Right. And so I was just the type that was like, well, I guess you better figure out a different 
thing to go into. You know what I mean? Like, that was just very me. And then he was like, no, I'm going to find a way to do this. So it was a lot like, and I think it's just, it's so, like, it's just inspiring to hear stories like this for me. Because oftentimes we give up hope when we see one little roadblock in our way. Right. Even now, I won't even say a little roadblock. When you say a huge roadblock in your way, like, oh, I don't have the score that I need to have to get into these right. residencies, and we didn't go the typical route. But it took him about same as you, two ish, two plus years. But he got in, and now he's a surgery resident. And he's going to be a surgeon, and it's just, it's it's yeah. a cool. It's it's good to surround yourself with people like you and my husband, just because I need to oh, learn thanks. that for sure. <laughs> Well, so you're talking about a major roadblock, and one of the schools I was interested in um, was in California, and, like, I was really drawn to them because it was out of state, you know, the kind of just, like, how cool would it be to go out of state, to live in California, be on your own, and play soccer, and um, it was a private institution, and, and so they offered me, you know, they were like, yeah, we'll pay you. $14,000 $14,000 to come play. Well, tuition was, you know, 35 a semester. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to sit down with my parents, and they were, it was a learning moment for me because they said, you know, Aaron, we would love for you to be able to go to this school, but we just can't afford it. Like, right. There's just no way. And I kind of had to take a step back and think, you know, if my parents devoted, if they paid all of my dad's money, went to me, then we could afford this tuition. But then what happens to my three brothers and sisters? Yeah. And the rest of my family. And so it was kind of like, yeah, that's the dream. That would be awesome. But there are other ways of attaining your dream that may not be as glamorous but are just as good and right and and actually better like looking back now i know it was a better decision i had a friend who actually did go to that university and she had to come home after a couple of years because money and stuff and so anyway it just goes to show once again that focusing on the outcome it blocks you in to not really achieve what you want to achieve in a way, where when you're focusing on, like, I want to play soccer and I'm open to options, then you got, mm-hmm. you ended up in the right place. Right. Um, yep. So back to the soccer story. So you, you said in your email that everyone on your college team was committed, but not everyone was diligent. And that diligence yes. is what put you over the edge. How so? So this is my favorite story of all time. If you've talked to me, you've probably heard it. So, um... So we would, so you get to soccer and you're just starting out and everything and um, the coach gives you a training booklet and says, okay, do this during the summer, lift these weights, run these sprints. And the first summer I was like, okay, I'll try it a little bit. And I tried a little, little bit. Um, (laughs) Right. And I got there. Oh, and it was so bad. It was so bad. Um. I, on the team, you have about 25 to 30 girls, and we would run these drills, like we would be running sprints just to get into condition, and I was so slow. Like, I'd never been that slow before in my entire life, not because I had physically slowed down, but because the talent level was just that good. Yeah. And that concentrated, and so the best of the best go to the school, and so you, you know... They're all much better. Anyways, I um, I would come in last. I was the slowest of the slow. I would break the group into, like, three groups. There's the slows, the middles, and then the fast people. And I was dead, dead last. Even the goalies came in before me. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a friend. She would, like, laugh at me, and she would lap me. I was, and I'd get so mad at her. <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah. Yep. So anyways, I was the slowest of the slow, and then I would just, from that point on, from that very first, like, couple of weeks of just being really slow, I was like, okay, I got to put in the work, and I would do what the coach told me to, 
if he said, okay, the team's going out of town this weekend, I want you guys to do these kinds of drills and, you know, juggle the ball this many times and, and stuff, I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would put the work in. And so by the end of the end of my freshman year, I was no longer the slowest of the slow. I was like the middle of the slow. So I was coming in front of like, I was like fourth from last. Hey, that's progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was progress. So anyways, I just kept year after year, just kept going and working hard. And in the summers, I would work even more um, like they tell you to do. And so sophomore year, I came back and at the beginning of the year, I had moved up and I was like the fastest of the slow group. It was awesome. By the end of the sophomore year, I moved up one more slot and I was in the middle group now, still Mm -hmm. the slowest of them. And then I just kept moving up year after year in my conditioning and, and my speed. Finally, my senior year, the coach comes out our and he says, okay, we're going to run a trail run. And um, here are the instructions. And this was the other key thing was um, I'm diligent, but then I'm also, I feel like I'm, I try to be smart mm-hmm. in my diligence. So he said, every time on this trail run, you come to a path that divides. Choose the right one. Go to the right. Right. Um, and and I kind of giggled because it was choose the right, which is a motto that I hear at church all the time. And I was right. like, me choose the right. And none <laughs> of my teammates knew what I was giggling about. But I was like, hey, I got it. I'm going to choose the right. So we started running, and I was in the back of the group, and, and I was just like, just go. Just keep going. Put your head down. Don't worry about how far it is. Just run take the right path when it comes to it. And so I chose I chose the right direction every single time. A couple of times I was like, are you sure? Because this other path looks like the more common path, like the ones that people have run through before. But I was like, coach said, go to the right. So I did. Um, <laughs> and five mile trail run comes around and I end up at the, it ends back at the, the field. And so I get there and I was fourth out of like 30. Oh, wow. So I was like in the fast group. I wasn't the fastest in the fast, but I was like middle of the fast group, which was the best I'd ever done in my entire life. And it was so good that the coach was like, Aaron, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, Tim, I'm back. I'm good. And uh, he's like, where's your team? And I was like, well, they didn't listen to your instructions. I was like, they didn't listen to your instructions. They probably didn't go the right direction. I heard them wandering around, and a lot of them just, like, were walking. So so half the team got lost. The other half kind of gave up and was walking. Mm-hmm. And then I I came in there, and I was the slowest of the fasts. It was awesome. Yeah, and then you said that by the end of your senior year, how did it end? Oh, yeah. Okay, so by the end of the senior year, um, we, we did really, really well. It was probably one of the best um, finishes that the college had ever had. We went to the NCAA tournament, and... We actually, um, it's like the basketball tournament where you're ranked into seeds and a mm-hmm. first seed and a fourth seed and everything. And we beat a fourth seed team. And it was in a double overtime and a penalty shootout. And I made it, I was one of the penalty kickers. Oh, man. And it was really awesome. And so we won. And like, it just, it was just kind of a perfect ending for. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years of really hard work. Um, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Maybe not quite twin, but for a lifetime up until that point of, of hard work and diligence. So it was awesome. It was so cool. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, so you, okay, so the lessons that I kind of gleaned from this story when you sent it to me was that you did the off-season work and then you <laughs> followed instructions. 
and yeah. how can we apply these lessons to other areas of our lives for those of us that don't play soccer? Um, I think that whatever you're choosing to do, mm-hmm. if you're if you're wanting to get better at exercising, if you're wanting to learn something, if you want to be a better writer or whatever, I think that um, there are people who have done it before and can give you really good advice. And Mm -hmm. I think that you should follow that advice. Yeah. Like my coach said, I have run this path. Take the right choice every single time. Even when you don't think you should, choose it. Mm-hmm. And you'll get back in time. And so it's like, all right. So I think following um, the advice of those who've been before yeah. and then just plugging along. Just, I love Dory from Finding Nemo. Just yes. keep swimming. Keep swimming. Yep. Yeah. She's like my motto for diligence. Just keep swimming. Just keep running. Just keep reading or practicing or whatever you're doing. Yeah. You just. Just do it. Just go. Just go for so. it. You're um, you're reminding me of I a podcast that I listened to probably a couple weeks ago now, and she talked about this idea of visualization and how a lot mm-hmm. of times we're thinking about. So she used the example of Olympic athletes, and how mm-hmm. a lot of times they're like, okay, the the key to winning a gold medal is visualization, 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 and so she's like, what do you think those athletes are visualizing? And most people will answer, oh, they're visualizing like having the gold medal placed around their neck and they're singing their national anthem up on the podium. And But she's like, no, that's not what they're visualizing. What they're visualizing is what their next step is. So like they're visualizing them running the trail and taking the right turn. They're visualizing getting faster. They're visualizing taking that stroke in the swimming pool. And so they're visualizing the process and getting better in the process versus visualizing the outcome. And I thought that was just very profound. And I had never like thought of that before. Cause I know like when I'm visualizing, like if I want to lose weight, I'm visualizing myself at a size smaller than I am when really I need to be visualizing myself eating healthy and drinking more water and exercising and just for tomorrow. And then just for the next day and the next day and the next day. Right. And if you had asked me freshman year, like, are you going to go to the NCAA tournament and win a game and take a penalty kick and have all this, like, that would have been totally out of my mind and been like, no, wait, that's not possible. Right. Um, and so I think that, yeah, you can set the big goals, but visualizing, like, the little steps and perfecting those little tiny steps yeah gets you where you need to be yes yes um and i feel like that's the mindset change right there is what brings success so i know right now i've shared on other episodes but i i'm trying to be healthier just with my eating and my you know exercising and stuff like that because i hate exercising and i'm trying to not hate it or at least endure it (laughs) um But the biggest mindset change I've had so that I can have more success, if you will, is just focusing on, I want to be healthier. I want to be stronger. I want to be able to ride my bike for longer without getting too winded. And instead of, I want to lose 10 pounds by this date, because then if I don't lose the 10 pounds by fill in the blank date, then I'm like, well, whatever. And I just give up. Right. And so that's why I've I've just completely changed my mindset and how I diet and how I exercise and all these things because if I focus too much on like I need to lose 10 pounds and then I don't lose 10 pounds then it's all of a sudden the effort wasn't worth it when that's not true right so and I'm kind of doing the same thing is I want to be healthier too um but the the weight loss or those other physical kind of measurements I've just totally discount and been like those are not things that I'm going to focus on right it is going to be did I exercise as many times as I said I was going to this week right and and then when I do exercise like yesterday I was it was a bad day yesterday and I like did not want to exercise I was like just start 
just start and then I got 10 minutes into it and my kids were screaming and fighting (laughs) and I was just hating it I was not feeling good and I was like crying and I was like that's okay just cry while you're exercising but just keep going (laughs) wow good for you so did you finish and I did it like I didn't get to you know I didn't get as much of a workout in as I would want to but like I did it so for me I was successful even though it was not meeting the goals that I had wanted to meet I just I didn't so I was like check done I'm awesome you are awesome um and so now we're let's fast forward we're out of college um we're we don't have at least I don't have like, I don't have a sport I'm playing, or I guess I can exercise, like I said. But, like, how do we decide, how do you decide what to be diligent about? You know, it's something that I'm still learning. I think that I am reflective on things that will make me a better person and a happier person. Um, and so I kind of try to find things that that will do those things so for one like I said I'm also trying just to be healthier especially now that we are quarantined yeah it's really easy to to just feel out of control yeah um and so I'm trying to I mean like okay through my health I'm going to try and maintain a little more control it's yeah. not it's not what I would want it to be. You know, I would love to have my mornings where the kids are in school and I can go to the gym, but right. instead it's like, okay, I know that me being healthy is something that is, is important right now for, for all the reasons, me, myself, my family, everything. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on health. And then I've also been like, you know what, me having a little bit of fun yeah. is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to make me sound like the biggest nerd in the entire world, <laughs> which is why you like me. I do. But I've started started doing origami. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was so like, what is she going to say? And that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> going to be like, do we need to pause this interview? Um, no, I've started doing like origami because for me, it's just a very relaxing, calming kind of thing. And it's been fun because I've gotten a lot better. I got a book and every night I will work on folding some weird little animal creature thing out of paper. So to me, I was like, hey, being happy and finding something that I enjoy is really important. Um, Through this whole interview thing I've also been thinking like well what other things do I want to be committed to and I think something for me that I think I might start working on is you know maybe I gotta try and get up earlier in the mornings because you know me Grace I am not a morning person hey we are cut from the same cloth so I know you I I would stay up all night if I could yep but like but I'm thinking, you know what, maybe that will help me be a little bit healthier and yeah. that I'll get more sleep. Maybe that will make me a little bit happier. And so for me, those are my main criteria, something that will make me a happier person and a, a better person. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been having similar thoughts as you, especially this quarantine has provided a lot of opportunity to reflect, for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't say that lightly because I know for other people it's not been that way. But for me, it has been. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this idea of who do I give my best self to. Um, mm-hmm. And this does tie in. Just hear me out. Um, but I feel like before the quarantine, my best self went to my friends. My best self went to my church. My best self went to my community. And I don't think there was anything wrong with that. Because, you know, I I love throwing parties and I love outreaching and I love forming friendships and connecting with people. And I think that's definitely something that I will continue to do after the quarantine is lifted, hopefully soon. Right. Um, But what I realized is that I, who I wasn't giving my best self to was my kids. Um, And they should be the most important people that I'm giving my best self to. 
And so it's actually been a huge mind shift for me in this quarantine as I've realized that I need to, my best self needs to show up for these two little people. Um, And the biggest thing that taught me that was this last Tuesday was my son's birthday. He just turned five. Um, And I was so worried because I was just like, he's in quarantine. And he literally had said multiple times, mom, the coronavirus is ruining everything. It's ruining my birthday. You know, and like it just breaks your mom's, your mother heart that your child can't have a birthday party. And I don't, I know I love throwing parties, but for my kids' birthdays, I actually don't go all out because I'm like, eh, they don't give me the validation I need. I'm just going to get some friends together and they can eat cake and that's fine. And they're happy and I'm happy and we'll move on. Um, But I made the decision to just commit to doing something amazing for his birthday. And so I was up all night cutting stuff out and my husband built him this cardboard rocket and I made this huge backdrop with planets and stars and because he wanted an outer space theme Mm -hmm. and so just that next morning when he woke up even though I was super tired because I was up all night doing it just that reaction like it just awoke something woke it woke it awoke something in me that made me realize like I brought my best self to my kid, which my talent is in like decorating and party throwing and stuff like that. And I brought it to my five-year-old child and it, and he's so delighted right now. And it just made me realize like, I haven't been giving this part of myself to the people that are the most important to me. Um, anyway, so it's kind of a roundabout way of saying that I realize I need to be more diligent in committing myself to my children well, um, and I think that you kind of hit something as well. Like, you can't be 100% committed and diligent to everything in life. That's exactly there's, right. There's just too much that people ask of you, that the world wants from you, that your family wants from you. Like, you have to pick and choose. You do. And, and I think that being able it, that being able to choose that is so it brings so much peace it does um and for me like you and i are opposite in that way like throwing the parties doing those kind of thing like that is not something that <laughs> i worry about at all right i am like I, so i've just chosen not to to worry about those kinds of things like my girls are lucky if they even have birthday parties at all. Right. They know I love them, but, you know, it's right. just, I've been able to say, you know, I'm, that's not where I'm at. But my girls do know that I think it's important to stay active and to be moving. Yeah. And my girls know that, for me, church and religion is super important as well. And that right. I'm dedicated to that. Um, but they also know... Mom's not going to worry about her makeup today because she's just not going to worry about that. Right, right. Kind of a thing. So. Right, so and I think that just attests once again that like what we're diligent about is going to change based on our personalities and all that. Because mm-hmm. for you, you don't need to throw your kid a party. Where for me, I feel this like, I won't even say I feel like I need to do it. I genuinely like to do stuff like that, so... Yeah. And that's just the whole point yeah. is you're bringing your best self, like you're active, you're spiritual, you're all these things, and you're showing up as your best self when you can, as, as best as you can for your kids who are the right. most important, or your husband, or, you know, for people who don't have mm-hmm. kids, you have these people in your life that are the most important people t- to you, so. Right. Because um, when, you, when you're fulfilling that, you, people read that, people feel that, they're like, yeah. you know what, this person is genuine, and they're being, they're happy. Yeah. And yeah. so, and they like, people want to be around that. Yeah, so. it's absolutely true. Um, so if we were talking about how to be diligent, I feel like the biggest thing with how to be diligent is what do we do when it gets hard? Because that's where the diligence comes in is when it gets hard. So right. what do we do when it gets hard? So I think there's a couple of things that you have to be aware of one is I think we talked about it a little bit before it's changing the 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 destination like 
Yeah. Instead of saying it has to be 10 pounds that I have to lose, it's changing it to I need to, I want to be healthier. So making sure that you don't set yourself up for failure in the way that you choose to be diligent, diligent, like, yeah, don't, don't make, so does that make sense? Yes, it does. So there's that first part. And then the next part is that when it gets hard, um, I guess my encouragement is just, just keep going. Yeah. Um, when there's, so I've been, I, I know this will be hard to believe, but I really hate running. <laughs> um, yes. I picked the wrong sport. I know that people always were like, well, if you hate running so much, why did you play soccer? Um, but you know, there was other parts that I loved about soccer, which drew me to it. But so I really hated running. And after playing soccer and running so much, like I stopped, I didn't run for like, I didn't exercise or run for like five, eight years afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just now being like, okay, I think that I can start to incorporate a little bit of running and being healthy. Because that's something that I do want to try and do. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a hill outside my house that is this beast of a hill. And it always is at the very end. Um, and I just have to put my head down mm-hmm. and just not look. <laughs> <laughs> if yes. that makes sense. It does. Like, this, it just is such a big hill, and I'm like, just don't, because it never gets to the, you never get to the top when you're watching, and so I put my head down, and I take one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do play little, little tricks on myself sometimes, Okay. so I'll be like, okay, there's my destination, and there's the halfway point, and the halfway point to that halfway point is right here. And the halfway point from that half is right here. And look, I've already made it halfway. Yeah. And so I play little tricks on myself like that. I divide it into halves of halves of halves. I totally so do I'm that like, too. I'm successful. Like I did it. I made it. And it's really like 164th that yeah. I've made. Yeah. <laughs> but I then I'm like, okay, next one. I, look, the next half is coming right up. I'm almost there. Yeah. Um. So breaking it down into smaller chunks, and then kind of my other life motto is people are always like, you can move mountains, and I feel like I do move mountains, but it's one shovel full at a time. Yeah. You just get in there with your little shovel, and you move it, and and at first it's just a little tiny hill, and I don't look at the big mountain, it's too overwhelming, but I look at my little hill that I've made, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, that reminds me, we just got a huge pile of mulch this last weekend, and Flint, my son, was like, how are we going to get all of this mulch out of this trailer right now? And Ben just said, one shovel full at a time, and it took us, like, because there was three people doing it, they're meaning two adults and a five-year-old, but we got it done just one shovel full at a time and it was just like a, a small simple lesson but it was cool to teach a five-year-old that i should say yeah yeah it's it's true um another thing that also helps me when it gets hard is friends yep whether they're your friends that you go to vent to yeah like i can't handle this i was assigned this responsibility i needed to do this and people flaked out on me and so it's a friend who listens to me when I vent or it's a friend who's like hey let me help you out a yeah. little bit if I can mm-hmm. or you know Absolutely. just a friend yes and you know I'm a huge advocate for that so mm-hmm. reach out to your people and if you don't have people go get some people so yes um okay so we um you said the commitment and diligence can be lonely at times in your email. How, yes. what do you mean by that? Um, so not everybody is as diligent as you are at the thing you want to be diligent at. So, and, and when that happens, 
you find out that people, they sometimes flake out on you or they, I just had a lot of experiences sometimes where I've been assigned, you know, asked to do something or I volunteered to do something and I'm trying and I'm working hard and the deadline's coming and the people that I've asked to bring, you know, whatever thing just kind of flake out or they don't show up or they're not there. And it's really, it's discouraging. It's, it's frustrating. Um, I think another book character who I love is, uh, Horton hears, or Horton hatches the egg. Yes. Um, he, you know, he tells Maisie that, is it the Maisie bird? I can't remember. Tells the bird, you know, I'll sit here and I'll watch your egg for you. Right. And he just has to do it. Right. And he's all there all by himself. And, you know, he said what he, I said what I said and I meant what I said. And Elephant's faithful 100% kind of a thing. And um, when you are being diligent, not everybody is the same as the same. And they don't feel that pressure or they don't feel that desire. And so... Sometimes you get burned, sometimes things fall through or they're not done like you want them to be done. Um, so that's kind of what I meant. When yeah. It's, I definitely like, agree with me. you. And I think that's a piece of being able to change your mindset with being diligent. Because I feel like, and I hate to continue to use this same example of physical health, but it just works so well. Um <laughs> is you really know that you need to join a gym and you know that it's going to make your life better and you know, or you don't even have to join a gym, you know that you need to start exercising. And so what do we always do? We text friends and we're like, hey, let's all motivate each other to exercise and let's like, and that happens all the time. Or let's all motivate each other to read this book or to do this thing. And then all of a sudden you're still the only one that's committed to doing it. And so then you stop going to the gym too because no one else is committed to going. And so I feel like the mind shift needs to change where I know that I need to go to the gym and I'm going to go even if I'm going alone. And so when you, when you can tell yourself that, you're going to have a lot more success because your success is not dependent on other people. Um, and it reminds me as well for a more serious example in my life, um, when I was a teenager, I felt, and I'm not saying I was right, but this is how I felt. I felt that I was the only one that was committed to making wise choices as a teenager, which to be fair, teenagers are supposed to make stupid choices, but I was just one of those like old crotchety teenagers. And so, (laughs) and so I would like look at my peers and be like, are you kidding me? Like, why is no one else taking this seriously? Meaning like, your grades to get into college or your spirituality to like just be a good person or you know just lots of different things and so I often felt so alone because I was like am I the only one that's taking fill in the blank things seriously and so I often felt lonely because I felt like I was but now looking back I was lonely but I've had a really good life because I took some of the things that I should have taken seriously seriously And I was blessed for that. And some of my other friends at the time didn't, you know, their lives took a much harder turn. I guess I'll put it that way. And so you can't, if I would have let go of that lonely feeling and gone and joined the crowd, then who knows where my life would have turned out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and diligence and commitment is, it's not, it's not a group thing. It's not. You can find those rare friends that are going to be just as committed to you as in a certain area. And and when you find that person, then awesome, wonderful. Yeah. But my commitment and my diligence does not depend on another person. Yes. Um, and the goals and the areas that I try to be focused on and that are important to me in my life, it's me. Yeah. And I haven't included somebody else in it. And I, you know, my, so my marriage, yeah. like, yes, my husband is part of it, but it's my commitment to it. 
that yeah. is important for me. It's my diligence and my effort and work and everything that's important. Um, and uh, for me, now I know that there, are, like, I feel bad saying that. I don't want to minimize other circumstances of other people, but I just know that for me, my diligence and my things that I commit to I, is me. Yeah. And that's what I can control. Right. And it, I feel like when I first reached out to you to talk to ask you what you would want to talk about, one of the first things you said is the confidence that you've gained through learning how to do hard things. And I think, mm-hmm. and I know I talk a lot about self confidence in this podcast, but I think it's so key. And I think that you've learned that lesson where you've done a lot of hard things through soccer, for example. And you've learned that at the end of the day, the buck stops with you, with your commitments and your diligence, and then you're the one that sees the reward. And so it makes it worth it. Even though other people can join you in the celebration and along the way, but at the end of the day, it's you. Yeah. And and it really does, like, when you can reach that point and be like, hey, it's me. Um, And it really does bring this confidence, like... Me playing soccer, yeah, brought me lots of confidence. But then it kind of set me up for trying to learn Spanish and this whole new language and then becoming a teacher and having to figure out how to teach kids in high school that did not want to listen to me. Yeah. And then being like, okay, I'm moving across country away from everybody, but I've done these things before and I can do this new hard thing. And, and kind of right now looking at this, this quarantine thing being like this is tough but i've done hard things before and i will come out at the end of this as a better person yeah um and i think that i'm seeing you know the the beginning of that right now it's been what a month and a half yeah and my kids and their relationship with each other has improved yeah um they're better friends than they were and so it's it is lonely right now more than ever like yeah i haven't i'm talking to you and you're the first adults that i've talked to outside (laughs) of my husband for like you know a week or two Mm -hmm. um but it's okay to be lonely and i think that's another thing be okay with being lonely it still stinks it's not fun yeah when you're being diligent but say just being being like okay this is just part of the process. It's okay. Yeah. Keep going. And being okay with being alone with yourself is so key with confidence, I feel like. Yeah. It's it's okay to not be surrounded by other people. In fact, it's a good thing. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so you said in your email that this principle works with things that you love, like soccer, and things that you hate, like running. Um, so how do we determine what is worth our effort if it applies to both things that we love and hate? Because I would tend to just want to put my effort towards stuff that I love. If that makes I think sense. That, I think that it starts off that way. You start off doing the things that you love. Uh-huh. Mine was soccer. I loved soccer. I dedicated my life to that. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, I started I loved reading and I really dedicated a lot of time to that and then I um I think that you start with the things that you love and then as those builds and your confidence builds you start to see things that can make you a better happier person yes love it and even though there's things that you hate like I hate getting up early in the morning Oh, I yeah. I'm still borderline about that, but I, for me right now, I'm feeling like maybe that's something that I need to start working on. And, yeah. And maybe you know, in 30 years, I'll be a morning person. And if I do become a morning person, Grace, you'll be the first to know. Yeah, please. <laughs> so let me know how you did it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think that for now, right now, it's not so much things that I am loving to do. I still incorporate those into my diligence, but I choose the things that make me a better person. Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, I'm going to end with asking you one final question and that's how do we hold out the faith when things don't seem to be working out? Um, 
think that you look back on previous experiences mm-hmm. and previous um, successes. You kind of use that as a sounding board. So when I something hard comes up, I think of all the other hard stuff that I've dealt with, yeah. that I've been through. And I'm like, I can do this. Look what yeah. I've done. Look where I've been. And I can do this. Um, I also, religion is a really big, important part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so there's a religious aspect to it as well as as having faith yes. that things will get better and that things, um, yeah, that things will get better and that you can do hard things. Yes. And if it hasn't worked out in the end, then it's not the end yet. I like that quote. Exactly. Um, Well, I just want to thank you for being willing to come on and for doing such a fantastic job with coming up with this topic. I know for you, it's probably like, well, this is my life. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Um, (laughs) But I feel like people are going to be very inspired by this idea of commitment and diligence because it's something that can be life changing once you figure this out. Um, I definitely have figured it out in some areas of my life and others, not so much, but I've, because I figured it out in some areas, I know kind of like what we've already talked about, that it's going to be important for me to continue to work on stuff that I don't want to work on quite yet. Right. Um, and like, I guess the biggest thing that I would encourage people to do is just keep swimming just one step at a time. Yeah. You're having a terrible day and you're just crying as you're, you know, doing your jumping jacks. Yeah. Just keep jumping doing <laughs> the jumping jacks. Yeah. And then just be happy that you just tried. Yeah. And if you don't do your jumping jacks today, just say that's okay and you do it, get back up tomorrow and you do it, try again. Like, because there's yeah. going to be those days. And so you're just sorry if I'm no, keep going. adding more things on. I think that one of the things that has also helped me in my diligence is knowing that there are going to be times where you just have to reset. Yes. Um, maybe the, the idea of becoming healthier is just, it's just not working at that moment and being okay with saying, okay, I'm going to just reset and I'm going to leave that for a little bit Yeah, and I can come back to that later. Well, it's ironic that you bring that up because I have had that same thought with getting up early because I had the same thought as you probably a few months ago. I'm like, you know, I think I would solve a lot of my problems if I would just get up earlier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I just couldn't do it. I mean, I could have done it, I guess, but I just was choosing not to do it every single day. And I just could never get up earlier, early enough. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm going to be diligent with exercising despite not getting up early. And once I told myself that I can exercise not at 7 a.m. and I can exercise at 9 a.m. even if my kids are awake, like it changed something for me where I was like, okay, I'm going to revisit the early thing later in life because right now I just can't do it. Well, and and maybe it's, you know what, I'm not going to try and get up early every day. I'm going to try and get up early once a month. Maybe that's where I'm going to start. Oh, there you go. Good job. (laughs) Like, I just think that your diligence, like, you just reset. Just be like, okay, reevaluate. It's not working. This is, I'm feeling more frustration than mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. And then and then go about it a different way. Go do something different. Go, yeah. I yeah. think that that's an important aspect about diligence is that you can change what yes. you're diligent about. Well, and recognize when something's not working and that mm-hmm. there's a try a different way. Yep. So, yes, I like that. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, we'll end there. I just, once again, would like to thank you for coming on because this has been very inspiring for me. Aaron is one of those people where I feel like I just, I admire the heck out of you. And I've always, I feel like I, when you lived here, I'd always turn to you and be like, tell me what to do with my kids because I just think you're like the perfect mom in my head. You are. Um, I know you're not, but like in my head you are. Oh, thanks, um, thanks. And you're just so good thanks. at a lot of things. And I, I definitely, I... You're one of my people that I can vent to and not feel judged and I can seek advice and I know I'll get good advice, if that makes sense. So. Well, I love to chit-chat. So yes, yes. And you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been really nice. Yes. Okay, well, we will sign off and listen up for next week. 
If you like what you hear on this podcast or other episodes, I would just encourage you to go on Apple Podcast and leave me a review. That's the best way that you can support me, and I really appreciate hearing feedback from my listeners. As always, you can follow along with updates on the podcast on Instagram, at SheBuildsMeUp. And through the Instagram, you can always email me directly because I love hearing from my listeners. 